I would like to acknowledge that the Teach Reach podcast is operating on the unceded traditional territories of the Matsky, Kwantlen, Ketsi, and Semihamu First Nations. Growing up on ancestral territory of the Taino people, and now as an invited guest on Turtle Island, I recognize the immense impact that the land has had on me. The land has taught me respect, reciprocity, reverence, humility, and responsibility. Through indigenous knowledges, I learned that the land carries stories, histories, medicine, and gifts that enable us to reflect and connect with ourselves and our communities. As a stories-focused podcast, I understand the value of investigating place and space to grapple with real-world issues. I seek to support the ways that indigenous peoples are using to protect their land and communities. It is my intention to continue learning how to properly honor and care for the place where I live. Welcome to Teach Reach, a podcast to explore human connections through shared stories. Stories are what we store in the vault of our heart. Through them, we are exposed to a variety of voices to understand the narratives that shape our communities. We are all stories, those we know, those we live through, those we fabricate, and those we wish to deconstruct. We are not always at the center of those stories. We teach, you reach. Hey, Tony, tell me about Kim. So you read that right. We have Kim Dominic Ferguson with us again for another episode, our first repeat guest. And I know there are other guests, <clears throat> Olivier Day, who thinks that, you know, we should have them back again on the podcast. But we have Kim Dominic Ferguson. It's a big deal because this month of May, Kim is Mr. May for the Black History Month calendar in Quebec. And that's, we are very happy and thrilled that he's able to, you know, be recognized for his achievements. So we talk about a lot of things during that podcast. And I know that Ian is in the background cutting stuff because we went two and a half hours on this thing. Um, so enjoy the ride. And also don't forget to share, like, comment, get us up on those ratings because we need to have Kendrick Lamar and Beyonce at one point on this podcast. Enjoy the ride. You got what Benjamin's here, you know. It's all about them Desmonds, baby. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Kim Dominic Ferguson, welcome yes, back sir. to Teach Reach, brother. It's, Thank you very much for having me back. You, you are a pioneer because you are the first guest to come back on the show. Yeah. So what's going to happen now is that I know my DMs and my emails are going to pop up because other people will be telling me oh so kim can come back when can i come back <laughs> yeah but also i requested it because there's a lot of stuff going on that i wanted to to share with you and, yeah, and share yeah. in general yeah but you shoot your shots you know that's that's how listen, it is right listen listen you can't you, you know like it's like uh it's like both michael jordan and wayne gretzky said you miss all the shots you don't take right that that's right that's so, right I, 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 do you watch the office uh no i don't i don't oh, watch the man. office well in in the office one of my greatest part is michael scott makes a reference to the quote that you just 
gave and mm-hmm. then he did he put you miss 100% of the shots you don't take he quoted Wayne Gretzky and then at the bottom he quoted Michael Scott as if like it's his own quote so it's right. just, every every time i hear that quote i remember that scene or that part from the office of like that guy quoting Wayne Gretzky but saying that he's the one who came up with him you did yeah. it well you did it well but i mean yeah. uh, the other ones are quoting people and taking their taking their no, stuff no man right? I'm, as a writer myself you know i believe in in giving credit where it's due and like mm. i don't mm. know if Wayne Gretzky said it first or if Michael Jordan said it first but i do know that they both said it at some yep. point in their careers and it's a, it's a, it's a fact like if you it's like i tell people if you if you're asking for help right and you're afraid to ask for help because you're afraid that people are going to say no. Mm. Well, you're going to be at the same position if you don't ask for help as if they say no. But if someone says yes, that means you're one step closer to getting whatever it is that you need help with. You know. That that's Not asking for help is like is like getting a no. Mm. Mm. That so. that's some confidence, man. Like how how do you cultivate that that level of like, you know, confidence you know i've been i've been thinking about that for a while now i've been thinking about you know um since since the last time that we did the podcast like i've really dived into working on uh grant writing i've really i've i've i left my day job and um like i'm doing grant writing i'm writing i started writing a novel um last year october that i had been sitting on for about seven years um i and and i was just like grant writing it's the same thing it's like if you don't apply for a grant it's the same as if you got if you got rejected by the Mm -hmm. grant Mm -hmm. and but there's always a chance that you get the grant you know and so i've been i've been reflecting a lot on like this idea of asking for help and and receiving the help that I asked for, right, um, right. Like I think about I think about my dad and my stepmom. Like back in the day, I used to like I didn't consider myself a kid that asked for a lot, but I knew that they had a bit of a problem with like my comic book reading because I was obsessed with comic books when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah, and. I'd always be hesitant to ask them to when we go to the, you know, because back in the day, the comic books were were in the supermarkets on the magazine stands. You know, you didn't have to go to a special comic book place to get comic books. They were available pretty much anywhere that, you know, you could you could go to a dépanneur, you could go to mm. a corner store um, and you'd get comic books. Now you have to go to the comic book store. But long story long, um, uh I would be like reticent to ask them because I knew that they didn't always appreciate my love of comics. Right. But whenever I did ask them, they always said yes. Mm. You know? And then when I was in theater school, I applied for my that was when I remember applying for my first grant. And it was like twenty five thousand Jamaican dollars, which wasn't a lot of money at the time, but it was still a nice chunk of money. And I got it and it was just so easy yeah yeah you know and i wouldn't have got it had i not applied for it had i just stood in fear of not getting it and i mean a lot of people when i ask people why don't you apply for a grant it's Mm -hmm. always 
you know, I'm not sure, I'm insecure, I'm, it's always surrounding fear. And I say, you know what? If a no is the worst that can happen to you, then just apply for it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because you're most likely going to do the project anyway, Mm -hmm. right? Like, Mm -hmm. if you're going to do, for example, if you're going to do, you're a salsa dancer. If you want to produce a a, a dance show, whether you get a grant or not, you're still going to produce the dance show. Right. You'll figure it out along the way. But if you can get like a $20,000 grant that you can like certainly you can be certain that you're going to pay all of your all of the dancers, you can pay all of the DJ, the musician, the space for sure. Why not try to do that instead of just relying on ticket sales? That's right. Or That's relying right. on your own money that you, you're putting in from your pocket. Right, right, right. That that's great. I I love that. That's the thing. I I think the the thread I can find is that is is confidence and and you know shooting your shot and and trusting that not that trusting that you're gonna get it, but not caring that if the worst that can happen is a no, then 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 <laughs> there's worse thing than no. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. There's worse exactly. thing than no. Um, and I think I think sometimes people are afraid to receive a no because they take it as their identity has been rejected yes. as opposed to the thing that I ask was, no, you were mentioning salsa and I, a spiel that I give my students every time we stand, we're starting because salsa is a social dance. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about, you know, asking someone to, to dance with you, right? Yep. Like, like you can go and ask someone to dance with you. So, so the, 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 the typical of like be polite and be, be inviting, etc. but mm-hmm. also recognizing that you're asking the person a yes or no question. Um, they can exactly. say no, they can say yep. no. And, and you don't know why they would say no. And they, they don't necessarily owe you an explanation, but it's to be open to know that when they say no, there's several other factors that can come into play when they say no. And it's mm-hmm. nothing about you as a person. It's just, I don't want to dance. Right. Um, so, so that, that kind of like the, the little parallel, little parallel that I can, that I can find in there. One thing I wanted to ask you, yeah. and since, since you are the first guy to return on the show, I love that because there are things that I've been working on the background on that I, that I'm testing the, the waters. So, you know, you kind of like, Again, a pioneer. You're like the firstborn. You know, we throw everything at you and we're like, we try it, we test it. But um, before we get into, you know, the novel and, and the beautiful things that you've been going on to, um, what or who anchors you when times are hard, right? Because what you mentioned here is like going through that, you know, that applying for a grant, quitting your day job, you know, what, what anchors you? Or who anchors you when when times are hard? That is a very good question, Tungi. Um, I I have to say that I anchor myself. Um, I mean, I I've taken up a practice whereby I pay tribute and. I think you've spoken about this quite a bit on your your podcast as well is I pay gratitude to um to a list of people and and um and a higher power that I, that I believe in mm. you know but I really really make an emphasis of speaking the names of of 
my most recent ancestors. So going back to my grandparents um, and I thank them as regularly as possible. I mean, it's, it's still a new practice, but um, gratitude is, is, is super, super powerful for me. Mm-hmm. Um, what grounds me as well as my writing. If, uh, if I'm, I find that when I'm stressed out, I tend not to write. But when I return to my writing is when I'm able to kind of center myself and I'm like, okay, I've done my, gra- just a, the act of saying thank you and writing down a minimum of six things that I'm grateful for per day. Mm. Mm. Um, it does something to me inside of me in order to, to, you know, keep me moving forward. Obviously, externally, I could say, you know, my fight for my son grounds me. I could say my family as well. But the, the, like, the only person that can truly keep me grounded is me. Mm. Because at the end of the day, um, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how supportive my family is. If I don't stand and be my own potomitan, as we say in Creole, uh, I'm not going to go anywhere and I'm not going to achieve any of the things that I want to achieve. And I'm not going to get that book published. I'm not going to, you know, get into, get into the, 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 the um, calendar of the mois de l'histoire de Noir. Like if I don't put myself there, who's mm-hmm. going to do that for me? I mean, it's always possible that someone does it, but, You know, I find that, especially in our community, the Black community, we tend to downplay our accomplishments. I was speaking to, I was speaking to, um, to a sister uh, a couple of days ago. I interviewed her for the, for the, um, the celebration of Black mothers. And she has this huge bio with all of these accomplishments and where she graduated from and the artistic things that she's doing. And, and I said, you know, you really downplay yourself. Like, you know, you, you've accomplished a lot, you know, she won awards. She, she built, she built shows to pay homage to artists. You know, she's done quite a lot in Montreal and, and she was like, no, you know, it's just a little thing, you know, I'm like, no, there's no such thing. We need, Mm. we need to like, Stand up on the mountaintop and be proud of what you do. Because if you don't, if you don't shout how great you are, who else is going to do it? You right. know, right? M- most people are looking at themselves in the mirror and trying to be great themselves. They're not trying to like, they're not like you and I, you know, trying to get people on the podcast, get people on the radio, and like give people a, a space to shine. Right. You know, right. A lot of people are not doing that. Right, right. You know? Right, right. So we got to get up on our on our soapbox and give ourselves pats on the backs because, I mean, we didn't do it alone, which I want to emphasize, you know, I didn't do any of the things that I did alone. I didn't get to where I am alone. I have a whole tribe behind me, a whole village behind me that, that supported me. Um, but I'm here and I did a lot of the work. Mm-hmm. in order to get to this point in my life. Right, right. It's it's great because you mentioned, you know, building people up or or giving them a a platform and that's that's what that's what this podcast is, right? Yeah. This is this is why I'm I'm so so glad and happy to have you 
with us because because this is the mountain for you to to shout what you are doing and and so yeah. we I, I want to circle back to you know your writings you've done you, you you are a writer through and through yeah you 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 kind of like you are a performer you are an actor but but i i think at the core at the bottom of it you are a writer first um so so let's circle back to your writing you mentioned yeah. that you're writing a novel mm -hmm. um and I, i would like to enter here first there's a there's a lot of things there's there's a play there's micro poetry that you that you're doing there your dear, dear black men project uh, but yeah. i want to go i want to go into the novel that you are that you are writing or, or yeah. if you're done and and what is the what is the essence of the novel where, where are you in that in that novel right so um one of the things for me is that my dreams are extremely extremely impactful for me um i've been on a spiritual journey this past year and i realized that that a lot of my my power and my ability lies in dreams and being able to see things and understand them um and this is not unusual like it it was news but it wasn't news you know what i mean because i've been dreaming and recording my dreams for a long time not consistently necessarily but it's been a part of my practice and in 2014 in 2014 i dreamt this whole sequence of of like this character gets out of a car at McGill University and then there's a signal that goes off and like there's like a a tunnel a portal tunnel that allows him to see this other character that is using poetry to defend his little brother and and um and he was connected to that character mm. And what I understood in the dream was that the one that came out of the car and was going to give a lecture at McGill was a Nancy. And the character, um, well, I, I, I put the character as myself, was the next Nancy. So I started doing research about Anansi. I called up my stepmother and my dad. I was like, listen, you need to send me all of the books that you can find in Jamaica on Anansi, like I need those books. And they sent me uh, Louise Bennett's books and a bunch of like children's books with Anansi so I could read them mm -hmm. and get more, um, get more reacclimatized with it because I hadn't really explored the idea of Anansi in a long time. And then I read the book American Gods and then I read the Anansi Boys and I was like consuming everything that I could find. Um, Denzel Washington did like a, Uh, a little five minute um, reading of a book, an animation clip, which I which I downloaded and saved and watched that over and over and over. And um, for the listeners who don't know, uh, in Caribbean folklore, and what I learned is that Anansi is originated from Ghana, from Ghanaian folklore and mythology. Um, Anansi is a spider or a man who is a bit of a trickster, mm. sometimes lazy, um, sometimes um, uh, malevolent, but sometimes also the opposite, where he's he's like a good a good character and he's doing it for the good of the people. Um, 
you could kind of do a comparison to Haiti as him being uh, Malice in Bukiak Malice. <laughs> Le Conte de Bukiak Malice. You could kind of see, put him as the Malice character. Mm, mm, um, mm. And so this, this is a story that I've been working on. I Beginning of October 2022, I, uh, I joined Whitney French, who is a dear friend of mine and a writer based in Toronto. And um, she was having like morning writings on Monday mornings at 6 a.m. And she invited us to go. She has a Zoom platform. So she invited folks to, to join her writing. And I said, you know what? I've been wanting to write this book. And over the pandemic, I had been doing research and I kind of expanded the universe of the story. So it wasn't just a Nancy. It was like all of our mythology in terms in Jamaican culture and Caribbean culture on a whole. And then I expanded it to include native culture and mythology as well. And then I added another character who was a native character. Mm. Um, And I just kind of went from there and yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to do some more research, but so far I'm just writing this story little by little and I'm rewriting certain things. So like uh, the, the uh, creation story from Genesis. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm using, I'm using the Orisha's pantheon, the Ifa pantheon rather, Yoruba. Mm -hmm. And I am using those names, recreating the planet, but in a logical way. Mm. that incorporates both science Mm. and mythology and bringing the two together. Mm. So like it doesn't happen in seven days. It happens over (laughs) millions of years, you know, and it starts with like a ball of water. So the globe is just water. And then there's a God in the water that Oludumare, which is the creator above Mm. all other gods above mm. all other orishas and that's that's the first entity that that he mm. creates mm. Mm. and then that entity kind of grows bored of being in the water and comes out of the water and explores space goes all the way up into space but then it's like i don't like it out here it's a little bit too far goes back towards earth which is which we could call water right. but when she goes back by that time land dry land has been created but there's nothing on the land Mm. it's just it's literally dirt Mm. and she's flying over it and then she gets curious and she touches it and with her first touch sprouts the first river Mm. and with the first river sprouts the first plants And then when she lands, like wherever she goes and she touches rivers, lakes, and life starts to bloom. Nice. And so that's kind of how the creation starts, you know? And I'm rewriting a lot of stuff. Like uh, there's a a popular Nancy story, how a Nancy stories became a Nancy stories. Mm -hmm. And depending on where you go, it's either the sky god that um, gave them to a Nancy, or they were known as Taiga stories, and so they were given to a Nancy. It really depends. And I am reimagining the entirety of that story. 
nice, nice. to show how determined and focused the Nancy was, but also how much of like he's he's kind of selfish as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like he's 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 essentially good, but he's also selfish. Right, right. So, and even my my villainous characters, my antagonists, we'll call them, are not just bad for bad sake. Like you get to see their their side of the story and why they are the way that they the are in are, relationship yeah. to Anansi. Nice. Right? Nice, nice. Um so and and it's interesting because I watched Creed three last week. Yeah. I haven't watched it yet. So I haven't watched well, it yet. I won't spoil it for you, but the antagonist was beautifully crafted. Mm. Because mm. oftentimes when we watch movies and we read stories we don't know what the backstory of the of the so-called um, evil person is. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't know why they're evil. We just know that they're evil, and we shouldn't root for them, and we should just we should just be rooting for the good guy. But the truth of the matter is, a lot of the times, these so-called bad guys, they're not wholly evil. Like something happened to them to make them decide to walk down this darker path. Right. 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 You know. Uh, like Ursula is not Ursula from the Little Mermaid. She's not just evil like that. Like she was actually <laughs> ousted, ostracized. You know, she she they didn't people when she had a contract with people, people didn't respect it. Hmm. You know, like there are consequences to your actions, and she's like she's like a tangible thing of like, okay, you don't want to respect my contract. Well, there are the consequences to it. Right, You're gonna have right. to deal with it. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, and if you just reframe the way that you're looking at things, you'll understand that there is there is really not black and white. There's shades of gray, mm. and we can always choose to move towards one or the other, move towards one character or the other. But what I'd like to happen in the story is for it to be okay. Generally speaking, I'd like to root for a Nancy, but he did wrong to some of these people. Right, and like, right. He kind of deserves to get to get what's coming to him. Yeah. But these people also did some wrong, and they deserve what to get what's coming to them as well. You know, like yeah. I yeah. don't want it to be like crystal clear when people are reading it. Hmm. Hmm. Um. Yeah. C- question. A couple of questions that I have. Like one is more of a. That's the the teacher in me, how do we write a Nancy? Is it a Nancy or a Nancy? Like how do we, what is the spelling of? How do you of, spell it? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's multiple spellings. The one right. that I use uh, is a Nancy, A-N-A-N-C-Y. C-Y, okay, yeah. That's the one that I'm most familiar with, okay. but people okay. also write it A-N-A-N-S-I, okay. um, S-Y, C-I, like, Mm-mm. It just There's... really depends on on who is speaking and like is it are you speaking in patois are you speaking in in like standard English like, right 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 yeah yeah that's... that's that's the one that's the one I was I was trying to because um last time you were on the podcast you um got me into um Doctor Okorafor um, yes and I was I was reading um one of her of her short story I just okay. finished it this afternoon it's called Binti. 
Um, yes, the story I have that of, whole uh, series. Um, so, so you know the the Ojitse and the Eden. It is like sometimes I read this and and I'm like, those are the you know you you can read a language, but you get the words that you're like, this is a word that I'm gonna only read. I can't say it out loud because I don't right. know exactly how to pronounce it. So that's where I was yeah. coming from with that with that um in NC. Um, yeah, and and I like the, the the way that you you know you you crafting that like taking those stories that we know or that we probably take for granted or that we probably, you know, have grew up with without questioning them. And you're not only recreating them, but you're questioning also what is at the bottom of them, right? Yeah. So you're questioning kind of, there's a there's a curiosity that you're bringing to that, to like, well, what if I retell that story? How could I retell it, yeah. right? If it was up to me. And I feel like that's the part of the writer, the writer has yeah. that ha, the writer has that liberty to retell a story based on their understanding and maybe mm-hmm. in a, maybe in a few years you'll probably retell that story in a different way who knows right like this kind yeah. of like so so there's there's the evolution there so so I like that um I, I want to go into you you recently got um you recently got your one of a play that you co-wrote speaking of yes. writing um, yes. The play Blackout, the Concordia Computer Protest 50 Years Later, is mm-hmm. is being published this, yes. this spring. And yes. that's one of the that's one of the main reasons you're you're here. Um yeah. and, and I would like you to to give us kind of like a, a backstory of that of that <clears throat> the, the word blackout for us Haitian. It's very blackout. Blackout, we call it. Yeah. Um, um and those are like, you know, for people not for people that are not, you know, Haitians or Caribbean. Um, blackout is power outage, right? Yes. And it's it's a it's something that I grew up with and we grew up with like, you know, regularly. You could have bouts of like weeks without electricity. Yeah. So so but but for the for the play specifically, a blackout, the Concordia computer protest fifty years fifty years later, what is it about? So um between 1968 and 1969, uh, six students, specifically six students, had um, felt like there was a the there was a teacher that was being racist and grading grading the students um, lower on the basis of race only. Mm. They brought they brought these charges of racism to, if I'm not mistaken, the ombudsperson, and then took it to the to the to the chairperson you know they they took it as high up as they could go and of course being 1968-69 they did nothing about it um and what happened how did how the students proved it was they got six of their peers and um made them copy so i think it was like a take home exam or or an assignment and those six peers copied verbatim each of the students' work. So each student was assigned a white peer. Mm. They copied verbatim the work. And when the work was returned to them, graded, the white students got full marks hmm. and the black students got w- way less or failing marks. Mm. You know, And um, if I'm not mistaken, this wasn't like a... This wasn't a... Um, what do you call it? It was more of like a scientific 
class. So it、mm. wasn't like a subjective thing, like language or something like that. Right, right.、Um, so yeah, they and they brought they brought forward charges of racism against against the administration against that particular teacher, and.、Um, They had a protest on the ninth floor of now the Hall Building of Concordia University. Back back in the day, it was called Loyola Campus,、mm-hmm. and、um, they it started as a protest, a peaceful protest. Like there is a movie called Ninth Floor that is based on that, and you see you see film, you see footage of the protest from the inside. You know, it was very peaceful, like. A lot of people were like singing and dancing, and it was very, it was it was like, you know, they they wanted to stage like a sit-in.、Mm-hmm. It was the staging of a sit-in. When eventually, of course, you know, the ninth floor was the computer floor at the time,、uh, and if you can't, it was one computer back in the day. For those who don't know,、uh, takes up an entire、uh, floor, like、mm. just to just to like. Print, do one plus one. <laughs> you had a computer the size of an entire floor of a、right. of a university. Right, right. And、um, eventually, they called the cops.、Um, a fire was lit. Some people say that the students lit the fire, but it didn't make any sense that they would have lit the fire because they were barricaded into. The ninth floor, so they would have been putting their own lives in danger had、right. they been the ones to light the fire.、Right. Um, and the police arrested, I believe it's upwards of a hundred people.、Uh, one person was,、uh, I believe, died, and、um, many more were injured and harmed, and of course arrested.、Uh, there are quite a few of them that had PTSD for many, many years after that severe PTSD and anxiety.、Um, and in twenty, I believe it was twenty early twenty eighteen,、uh, Mathieu Perron, Mathieu Murphy Perron, who is the artistic director of Tableau de Theater, which is the company that mounted, that produced and mounted this play, asked me to be a part of.、Um, The writers' circle,、mm-hmm. and that that was that comprised a, a, I think between ten and eighteen artists, not all necessarily at the same time, but over the period of six to eight months,、mm-hmm. writing, gathering together on a regular basis and writing this this、um, this play. Why I was chosen was because、um, I went to Concordia University myself. And I was the president of the Concordia Caribbean Students Union. Now, for folks who don't know, the Concordia Caribbean Students Union was originally called the Caribbean Students Union, and it was the first union for students created in Canada. But as a result of, as an answer to the riots that happened、mm-hmm. in 1969, I believe the the CSU. Uh, the Concordia, the the Caribbean Students Union was created in 1970 or 71. I'm not sure of the dates,、mm-hmm. uh, but it was really created as a as a response to to that whole situation. And so I I had history, and my father was actually a part of it when he went to Concordia. 
So there was a little bit of history there, and uh, Mathieu was a part of the Concordia Student Union, and we we crossed paths when we both were going to Concordia. And, of course, when I got back into theater, we crossed paths again. And, um, yeah, he just included me as part of part of the part of the the team of people and then eventually when he wanted to whittle it down to a core group of four four of us so it was um Mathieu Murphy Perron, Lydie Dubuisson, Tamara Brown and myself mm-hmm. that were really the ones to to kind of refine the play and bring it to bring it to um stage ready quality nice nice and and you you perform you perform in that play as well. You yes, as well? I yeah. had to audition like everybody else, right? Um, and I made it, and I performed in it, and uh, um, yeah, a little bit of an anecdote, if I may. Yeah. Um, the first, so we had the first meeting, and it was more of a discussion, and then the second meeting was like a writers, a writers, um meeting at that time like i had a lot going on with me personally um i was really really tired uh i was doing a lot of things at the same time trying to coordinate i had a baby on the way right so and and it, it was a tumultuous relationship so that didn't help either so i was really really tired um and uh mathieu you know opened up up the 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 writer circle and told us a little bit about backstory da 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 and then he said okay we're going to have a breakout moment and in that breakout moment he said okay i want everybody to take 10 minutes and you go to your own your own um pl- space in the rehearsal hall that we were in and uh just write for 10 minutes mm-hmm. and then come back and and we'll all read the writing and i was like all right cool but I was tired, right? <laughs> so I literally laid down on my back. I had my phone because I did the majority of the, my writing on my phone. And for about five minutes, I wrote something down. You know, I typed furiously away. Yeah. And then I, after five minutes, I put the phone on my chest. And I, I just closed my eyes. <laughs> and... About four minutes later, I opened my eyes and everybody was still writing. And I just went back to the table and I was just chilling. And I'm seeing people writing. And then, of course, the last, the 10th minute is up. And Mathieu is like, okay, everybody, come back to the table. And people are like, no, I'm not ready yet. You know, furiously (laughs) scribbling or writing on their laptops or whatever. And I'm like, oh, damn, maybe I kind of screwed the pooch, you know, because (laughs) it seems like. You know, people were writing more than me. And um, and then everybody was back at the table and I'm kind of feeling awkward. And then I say, okay. Um, then Mathieu is like, okay, who would like to read first? And I looked around the table and nobody wants to read. And I say, you know what? Since mine is probably going to be the worst. Yeah. Because, you know, all of these people are like, <laughs> furiously writing away and whatever let me just get mine out of the way first right right and i had composed this piece in french and in english that incorporated the past and the present 
had incorporated everything like we're talking about references to Trayvon Martin, references to um, um, not George Floyd because that did, hadn't happened yet, but like Tamir Rice, mm-hmm. um, references to um, Tristan Delala getting arrested on a bus, Majiza mm-hmm. uh, Phillip getting her arm busted by the by the police for no reason other than she was trying to talk to her friend in the car and that got arrested. Um, and also had references to to the actual um the actual incident. Right, right. You know, I I I had a line that uh goes les papiers d'ordinateur flottaient tel que la neige qui flottait au début de la première neige. Mm. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a lot of images and there was, right. a, and I incorporated again, the right. Orishas right. and stuff like that. And when I finished reading, everybody was like, jaw hit the floor. They're like, what? You wrote that in five minutes. And I was just like, was I not supposed to write that in five minutes? Like what's going on? Like, yeah, you know, and yeah. I was just yeah. like, and every, I love telling that story because it's 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 just like I was doubting myself mm. because you know I was so tired I didn't really think that my stuff was up to snuff mm. and come to find out that hey well actually yeah my yeah. my shit's better than yours <laughs> you know <laughs> well there's there's something that there's some neurological truth in certain state that we are in that Mm -hmm. allow us to tap in certain inspiration right like when we are in a certain state of like there's certain certain brain waves that can help us like you know tap into inspiration so when we are really like not in a deep sleep so because when you get in a deep sleep it takes a a, a, a while to come out and you come out groggy yeah. but but being just maybe you were at that at that um at that border at that frontier where you know you are just tired enough but just lucid enough to tap into a certain part um so so that that can that can explain that uh, um but that's that's beautiful i love i love the line um the the line was I, I think I saw part part of the movie on the ninth floor and there was one part where there was kind of like a window open and then a bunch of like yeah. you know papers fly like data cards that's right that's right so so data I, cards, so yeah. once you said that it kind of like triggered that memory right away yeah. that's that's beautiful man so um so that that part the the black blackout um the Concordia computer protest 50 years later um you had a big you had a part of of that you wrote in it um in the yeah. back in the behind we were talking about you know like if there's any footage of the of the play and everything and, and we were talking yeah. about like you know would would we be allowed to share a little bit of of what you of what you wrote right yeah well unfortunately like we couldn't um we don't have access to right. that like right. it's it's archived mm-hmm. but um i've asked for it multiple times and and they're just like, no, we're not releasing that archival yeah. footage. Right, right, um, right. But what I could do is I could read you the the piece that I wrote, which was which was then incorporated 
into the beginning of the play. Uh, there you go. There you go. Right? That, 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 that I'm interested for that, for sure. Yeah. So I'm going to read the original piece because I'm not sure um, about like the, the, in terms of like, you know, copyright and stuff of like course. that. Of course. Of so course. I'll re read the original piece as it was, as I wrote it that day on, uh, on, I believe it was June 25th, 2018. Look at, at that. At 8, 8, 8.28 a.m. Look <laughs> at that. Look at that. Just before, um, just before a nap, people. Right. <laughs> Um, so just, just for, for reference, like this was modified when we put it into the play. Um, so this, here we go. Il était une fois, en 1969, les papiers d'ordinateur flottaient tels que la neige qui flottait au début de la première neige. It was beautiful until smoke. It was beautiful until blood-curdling screams took hold of throats. It was beautiful until pigs perceived monsters lit barbecues nine stories high. Il était une fois, en 1969, le vent aux Caraïbes s'est soudainement soulevé. Papa Ogou dansait son rythmique de guerre. Anansi tissait de nouveaux histoires. Maman Oshunudie s'inquiétait pour ses enfants. The whipping of the wind at the highest hour of moonrise was an omen. Our children's lives are in turmoil. We must send our protection. Once upon a time, a little boy was shot for carrying a toy gun. Once upon a time, a little boy was mangled for whistling at a white woman. Once upon a time, the children of our wombs who held our fingers with tightly clenched fists became a seven-headed demon in the eyes of the other. Mais de quel droit tissent-ils ces histoires? Ils ne savent rien de nos dieux qui ont passé le temps à prendre chaque étoile et les insérer dans les fronts de nos précieux bébés. This is a once upon a time, in a land far away from their homes, where they were treated as humans, as whole men, as whole women, as whole people. This is a once upon a time, in a land that railroads underground was their pride-filled history. We were instrumental in the freeing of people from slavery, while, mass ma while massacring genocidally the indigenous people of this immeasurable country. This is a once upon a time in a computer lab of the ninth floor, injustices dealt, betrayal felt, fluttering computer data cards fly from windows, snow that will never melt, fires that blaze, batons singing freely, swinging freely, voices screaming, free me! The injustice is felt. The injustice creates a hell in which a human becomes a monster in the eyes of a pig who sees not the world any further than his snout. Once upon a time, il était une fois. Their voices were carried to the heavens, but their minds were dragged to the depths of a hell that could never exist but within the creation of the perpetrators of the injustice's mind. Once upon a time, il était une fois. Whew. Man, brother, wow! Thanks a lot for for sharing this, man. I have goosebumps. Um, Thank you. It, Thank it's, you. It's it's you you were right in the in the sense of going to pulling from different things, right? Papa yeah. Ogu, uh, um, Oshunide, and 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 all that, and and really showing that. I, my takeaway from it is that. It's funny how it's once upon a time 
and it's funny how once upon a time is now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's 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 funny and sad at the same time, because yeah. because we we would have thought that that once upon a time is something that we can just tell to our, you know, our children. It's yeah, a lot, back in a lot, the day. Back in the day, and 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 then they can move on and they can move to space like that. But but you know, you and I were both fathers, and and you're thinking about you know toy gun and 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 whistling and and all those all those things right and and it's, mm-hmm. it's interesting because i've been asking myself i don't know if it's the same for you in my in in my house it was always forbidden for us to whistle and i don't know why really? like like it was like you don't whistle like like if you whistle like you like Simon Ba Simon you know that's kind of right. like you don't whistle and i don't know why i'm still i'm puzzled by that um, and I don't mm. know if it was the same and if you had any any knowledge of that, but maybe it's just my family that was a little bit, uh, you know, <laughs> a little bit too, well, too, too tense. I think I think it has something to do with our our mythologies mm. and like whistling is seen as like calling maybe maybe not necessarily the devil but calling bad spirits mm. um mm. so i think it has to do a lot with superstition and mm-hmm. and stuff like that usually something like that it started off if we go into like the root of it it's really it really is just some some right. oh si tu siffles c'est c'est, c'est parce que c'est parce que le, le tu invites le démon à la maison like um i learned I learned uh, over over the um, the new year, and maybe later on down the line as well. At at my that same friend, uh, he had a thirty six hour mar- mm, marathon movie marathon mm. to celebrate to bring in the new year, and um, that that friend he I also went to his house for for his birthday, which was a. A few weeks into maybe early February, maybe no, it was into a few weeks into January, and um, his partner was talking about. We were talking about names and how names, the importance of names, and and his partner is um, of European descent, and um, and she was saying that you know that there's a lot to do with one of the reasons why you have middle names and why like someone will pass their name down. So like your first name in certain cultures, your fir- the first name is the father's name mm. and the last name is the father's name as well, but your real name is your middle name. Mm, mm. And it's done that way so that your, so that the fairies or the demons or whatever would never be able, they don't have your full name, so they can't come mm, to get you. Mm, mm. Right? Okay. okay. And I know that that we have that in our culture too. Maybe not in the same way, but I mean, how many times have we known uh, known someone by Tonton Fred or right, right. or Tonton Jean Jean? Right. And then you go to you you see their passport and they are like uh, Jacques Sylvain uh, <laughs> something 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 three different names and you're like, where did Tonton Fred come from? Like, where did Fred come from? You don't even have an F name, you know, mm, mm, and mm. Yeah, 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 part yeah. of that is to protect. There's like right. a superstition that's passed down and right. it's to protect, right. protect the child from, hmm. 
Magician. Right, right. That's that's great because I have you talking about that. I have an NT. Um, she's an avid listener to the podcast, so shout out mm-hmm. to her. I'm not gonna say her full name because or else I'm gonna get in trouble. But right. I, I have an auntie who who like you know I know her name of a certain name, and then when I don't know what I was doing for her, like like I, I'm telling you things that are like maybe like 20 years ago, mm-hmm. and I'm like, that's your middle name. That's the name that you, that's the name that you carry. Like where that name come from, right? So. So it's very interesting. And for someone like me, I don't have a middle name. Like people mm-hmm. always think that Tangi is like my nickname. And they're like, I'm yeah. like, no, it's my it's my full name. And they're like, whoa, like I, I, people taking aback, especially in the in the Haitian culture. I, maybe it's that it's like you're too exposed or something like that. But who knows? Yeah. Uh, um, but you know that that once upon a time, what is what is for you the value of stories? Oh man. Um I mean, stories are are what. Well, m- the first time that I heard Nancy stories, my dad told them to me. Mm. You know, um, he every once in a while he would come in my room and he'd tell me an Nancy story. You know, and he really would like get into it. And I was always a, and up to now, I'm I love reading. Reading is something I'm very passionate about. I mean, over the last 20 some odd years, I've accumulated a library of books. Like uh-huh. all of my shelves are double stacked with uh-huh. books. <laughs> like there's one row and then there's the row that you can see, you know? Um, so story has always been important in my life, whether it's in a graphic novel form, comic book form, or a regular novel. Mm. It's been something that... Um, that resonates deep in my core, you know? Um, I was talking to someone recently and, and we were talking about how even, even fiction stories are important because a lot of them do have a lot that they can teach you. Right. Um, like the, I don't know if I mentioned this last time, but I, um, I've been reading this series from this author, Anne Bishop, and uh, the original trilogy book was the Black Jewels trilogy. Mm. And she has continued expanding that universe up till now. And just released last week, like book 12 or 13 of that series. And so for over 20 years, I've been reading and rereading those books. Mm. The first four books that I bought um, they were completely destroyed by last year. Mm. Uh, I completely destroyed them because I read them so many times. Right, right. You know, like literally the books fell apart in my hands. <laughs> and so I had to go back and buy buy some new copies. Right, right. Because I was still rereading them. And in those books, I realized that it shaped it shaped a lot the way that I perceive relationships between men and women, um, because that is the that is the core of the story. It is how do men and women relate to one another when there is an, a specific power dynamic. Mm. Um, so these creatures are these the, these beings are fantastical beings, and some of them have powers. One of them has wings, and and you know 
anger and power is related and and their history is related like they've been through a they talk about a, a lot about trauma and PTSD and how that but they don't talk about it specifically mm-hmm. but if you are in the know you know that you know like one particular character she has PTSD and she can't sleep well mm. you know like when she when she when she's sleeping she moves and she dreams about what's going on and and so that is of concern she brings that back and even though these 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 beings live for hundreds of years you know this stuff stays with them right you know? right 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 so and there's some pretty heavy content in there so for me um stories and storytelling and reading and 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 poetry to me is just another form of storytelling mm. um it's 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 vital for me it's it's very much a vital part of of my history and like i had to come to terms between last year and this year uh, for the very first time that my vocation, my talent, my my power lies in writing. You know, mm. I love performance. And I'm really good at it. I love speaking. You know, I've been on the radio for going on 11 years now. And I'm really good at it. But what I excel at is spinning the spoke, spinning the written word. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh it's interesting because you know as a writer you have so much freedom. How do you deal yeah. with that because you can go anywhere. Right? For example in your in your in the story that you that you performed here once upon a time you, mm-hmm. you're talking about something that is concrete that is that that really all the event that you mentioned there happened. Yeah, but you have the freedom to go to those stories and and pick them, or you have mm-hmm. the liberty to create a brand new story, right? So how do you deal with that freedom? Is it is it overwhelming? Um, is it overwhelming? I would. When it comes to okay, so when it comes to, uh like high pressure writing writing moments i think i thrive in those moments mm. because i have such a big expanse of knowledge mm. that's really accessible to me mm. and that's one and for two i've been doing it for so long that it's that's why for me when someone when someone is like super uh, amazed at the speed at which i will I will write a piece and minimal editing, minimal editing, you know, um, it's like, I look at it like, what do, what do you mean? Like, this is normal. Right. But right. what I had to, what I had to come to terms with is like, no, it's my normal. It's not normal for everyone. Right. right. Because not everyone writes at the same clip that I write. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been writing journals since I was a kid. I've been writing poetry since I was uh, 16, 17 years old. And when I was 18 is when I really started writing like at a much more concentrated um, 
uh, with velocity. Right. You know, right. I was churning out poetry. I was expressing myself through my poetry. Mm -hmm. um, and then I found out that, oh, if I read this, people really like it. And then I would study it and then people would like it even more. And I started getting opportunities to perform on different stages and different places. So knowing that my written word, and I never stopped writing. Even when I think I haven't written, I've written something. Right, right. You know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if I haven't written a poem, if I wrote a micro poem, it's still a, it's, it's still a poem. Right, you know? right. And that, that's the one I wanted and it's, to. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. And like sometimes it's even more intense to write the micro poems because you you, you want to condense condense everything down to just a few lines in a twitter post mm. you know and mm. sometimes that's sometimes like i'm like and i i always do it in twos mm. because i usually i want to be able to make sure that i have the space to because i if if folks look at my instagram profile i have kind of a specific way that i post my my stuff i post a piece of a poem i post um the twitter post and then i post something random it might be it might be me talking about a topic it might be me showcasing my food right, right you know it's right. not always specific in terms of what is there so i like to have two po poetic style posts and then something that i can that can be a video or something else right right and uh, it all starts with the writing right it all starts with writing well you were talking about micro poetry and you have a series dear black man right yeah and, and there's a lot of your instagram and your facebook that is uh, dear black man there's one yes. that there's one that caught my eye it's very recent and i would like to know like my question will be couple of folds but the first fold is like what is the inspiration that that come for first like what is the inspiration and and when you're talking to dear black man you put letters to myself so are you talking yeah to the proverbial black men that we, we have in our mind or are you are you talking to yourself like what is the what is the relationship between that letters to myself and dear black men and the one that i would like to share is is the following everything you've done you've done correctly even things thought incorrect they are correct keep thriving keep working the puzzle pieces will connect Mm. right and i, I don't i don't expect mm. you to remember all because as a writer you produce so much thing that you probably you, yeah. you have you have them in there but i was i would like to know what is the inspiration for the micro portrait and dear black man project which is on the okay. way as well and and who is that black man that you're addressing in your in your portrait okay so it started seven years ago um around this time actually because we are now March 14th, and I believe two days from now, I believe it would have been March 16th, uh, uh, as of this recording, we're March 14th. Um, March 16th, my dad got out of um, the hospital. Mm. My dad had major surgery, um, uh, life-saving life surgery, and we, we couldn't really talk about me being an artist and, you know, I love to express myself. Oh my God, I have to say everything <laughs> in a poetic way. Um, I couldn't 
my parents asked me not to. Mm. And so uh, I took a bit of inspiration from my partner at the time. Um, uh, and uh, because she was the first person that I saw writing things entitled micro poetry, mm. uh, and it was like six word poem. Mm-hmm. And um, I had seen Dear Black Man Around. I had seen it floating on the internet, you know, seen a couple of posts here and there. And I really thought, you know, that would be a very good way for me to express myself without making reference to what I'm, what my family is going through. Mm. And so that's where it started. Um, And then it grew it grew from just Twitter posts into like a monologue based uh, play. And then it grew into a, a five person play that I'm currently working on. But at the core, I still do the dear black man. Right. With a, with, with like a passage uh, letters to myself, micro poetry. Um, when I write those posts, I, I, I am reminding myself to, in a way, to be kind to myself. Mm-hmm. Like that specific post that, that that you said, it came at a time when I felt like, and this was fairly recent as well, I felt like a lot of things were going wrong and that maybe I was kind of doubting myself and I was kind of doubting some decisions that I had made and, and um and I had to remind myself that no, sometimes you need to have obstacles in your path in order to learn how to get around them. You know, um, it's 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 like Bruce Lee's famous line of "Be like water, my friend." Mm. You know, you, you water can crash; it can take any form. It can be solid. It can be gas. It can be it can be liquid. Um, and water always finds a way. Like if you right. drop a huge stone into a river, the river is not going to stop flowing. Mm. It's going to find a way around around the um, stone, whether it goes over it, under it, around it, to the left, to the right. It'll find a way to continue flowing. Um, it may never flow the same way again, but it will still flow, you know. And even if you put a dam, the river will continue to flow. Like right, the right. dam slows down the river, but it never stops it completely. Right, right. You know? Right. Um, so that particular post was me saying, you know, sometimes the negative is the positive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sometimes, sometimes negative is positive. Right. And that five person play. How how mm-hmm. how does it how does it work? Like, is it something that's being re- that's something that's being released this year? Well, it's not being released. Well, it's being performed. I mean, like performed or 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 presented or something. Well, the objective is um, that by the end of the year we will present a public reading. Mm. Mm. So, I'm kind of proud to say that this is kind of the first of its kind. In terms of, it is a Montreal-based play um, that takes the essence of what I feel Montreal is, which is the most bilingual city in Quebec, mm-hmm. and it puts that on stage 
within a Caribbean family, a mm. blended Caribbean family. Mm. So there is French, there is Creole, there is English, and a sprinkling of Patois. Of course, of course. You know? Yeah. And to me, and to me, that is, it is so vital that that is, that becomes part of the way that plays are presented because when I walk around in Montreal, one of the beauties that I see is I could turn a corner and two people are talking, or I could be sitting on the bus and two people are talking. One is speaking to the other in French and the other is speaking to, to the first one in English. And there's no, like, they don't skip a beat. They don't say, what did you mean? Right. Translate what you said. Right. They're right. speaking in their languages right. and they understand each other. Right, right. You know? And there's this, Quebec is very separatist. And then, you know, when you think about English language and French language, everybody tries to stay in their own lane. And to me, this play is bringing it together. Mm -hmm. The objective is for us to unite. And what I want to do with the play, once I've, once I've solidified it and like got it to the 100% or maybe the 99.99%, uh, because, you know, there's always... There's always going to be a little bit that you, uh, I, I, I can fix that, you know? The, yeah, 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 yeah. At some point, you just got to let it go. Right. But I want to get it to as close to um, what I feel is stage worthy. Mm -hmm. And then what I want to do is I want to have it fully translated. Mm. So have it. So the majority of the play is English mm -hmm. with French. Mm. Um, and what I want to do is I want to flip it so so that uh, the majority is French with English. Right. And so it becomes accessible, more accessible to the French theater here in Montreal. Right, right. And a requirement for me with this play is that it be surtitled, mm -hmm. which is almost the same as subtitled, but sir is at top right. instead of at the bottom. Right, right. So right. what I want is, you know... Um, I'm usually involved in the English speaking theater community, but what I want is for it to be accessible to to French speaking folks. Right, right. You know? Right. And a lot of the time our plays are not accessible to the French speaking folks. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think that is to our detriment. I think just it's to our detriment culturally because we're not able to share our stories and fully, but it's also to our detriment financially. Mm -hmm. Because, veux, veux pas, on est dans un province francophone That's ici. Right. right, right. You know? Right. And I think that we should be, we should be producing plays that, you know, can attract some of those Frenchies. Of course. You know, I went to, I went to a play by uh, Marilyn Chéry, a dear friend of mine. Um, she has, it's called Aphrodisiac. Mm. And basically, it has to do with, of course, systemic racism and stuff like that, but specifically with women's hair. Mm. And she's she's moving through the body of a child, trying to deal with people trying to control her body wow. and specifically her hair. Wow, it's it's much more complex than that. The story is very complex, but um, that's where it is. And the theater was full. It was packed. Right, right. 
Right. You know, and I'm just like, and I watched a, another another play a few weeks later um, by uh, Makambe Simambe. Oh my God, I just messed up her name. By Makambe, uh, another friend of mine who I met in Banff. And it's, the play is called, I believe it's called Our Fathers, Our Brothers, and Our Lovers or something like that. But basically it is her interpretation of what happened after um, after Trayvon Martin was killed. Mm. Mm. So the spiritual journey that Trayvon Martin took after he was killed. Wow. And the theater wasn't packed. Hmm. Hmm. It was presented at the Siegel Center and it was an English English play, but I feel like if it at least had surtitles, mm. you know, on the top, presented in French. Right, right, right. The language is in French. Right. It would have helped it to become accessible to to our French-speaking audience, who I'm sure would have enjoyed the play. For sure. I always like to think about what am I going to call a podcast episode that right. I, get, I get a thrill of that. Like Ian get the thrill of like producing that thing. And then I get, mm -hmm. I get the thrill of finding the name. And, and, mm -hmm. and one thing is like that caught to me is the fact that you're a storyteller, you're a writer. So the idea, mm -hmm. the idea of once upon a time is very, very present um, for me. And, and I usually finish with the teach and the reach, but today I want to, I want to go on a little, little once upon a time or kind of like going back into history for you with you right um I, I would like to for you to tell me what is something that you see lacking in this world right now wow okay okay um last friday i for the first time i went into a prison to perform mm. And it was, I was having a lot of anxiety with regards to going into this prison to perform. The person who organized the group, so it's a group of performers and speakers, and there's a comedian. And, um, the person who had organized this group had asked me prior, previously, and I was like, I'm not ready for that. And uh, he asked me again this year. Well, actually, he put it out in like this. I'm in this Brothers Got Your Back group. Mm. Um, and he put it out in the group. And I said, you know what? This is a sign to me. And I said, yes, put, sign me up. And uh, he had one back in February, but I had a conflict because I had already planned some 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 events and whatnot. But this one here um, happened last week, last week, Friday, uh, this March. And um, and I went and he he didn't really because he's been doing it for so long. He kind of has the rhythm of what he's supposed to do and all of that stuff. So he didn't really debrief us mm. on what's going to go down. Mm. I just knew that I had to get there at 830 in the morning and we'd be there until three 3 3 30 in the afternoon so that's a full day right right 
And I'm like, I don't know what we're going to do. Are we doing workshops? What are we doing? Like, what's the purpose? And essentially, he had 12 people. uh, I think it was 12, 12 of us. And we all presented some in some way, shape or form, whether it was poetry or like a presentation piece on mental health, uh, whatever it is, we presented. And I had all of these prejudices built up in my mind about what prison was like, what what prisoners were like. Uh-huh. And when I went in there, the first two people that so we went into this gymnasium, and the first two people greeted us were dressed in almost in like casual civilian clothes. Uh-huh. So in my head, I had built up in my mind that these prisoners were going to come into the room chained up. Hmm. It was going to be like a, a jangling, jangling, uh-huh. jangling, jangling. Uh-huh. They'd be, you know, because there's civilians here and they can't interrupt. Like I had this whole thing and had a lot of anxiety. Like, are they going to shiv me? Are they going to get into a fight? You know, are they going to like stab each other and get into like, I was having a lot of anxiety. And then what I gathered from I shake the two people's hands that were there. And I thought they were just the organizers. Like they were the, like, not, not prisoners, uh-huh. not people that were locked up, uh-huh. but I thought they were like administrators uh-huh. of the prison. Uh-huh. And it wasn't until after even more of the inmates were coming in, I realized I was like, oh my God, I just shook two prisoners hands. And they would come to us, not as a group or anything, but they'd come to us and they'd like, they'd hold, they they shook your hand and they'd look you in your eye and they'd tell you, thank you so much for coming. Mm. And this is before we even started, Mm. you know? And, um, and as the time went, I felt more and more relaxed. Um, I saw other folks in the group who, who were used to, used to coming into the prisons and doing these kind of events. I saw them embracing some of the some of the folks that were there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, they're allowed in my head I was like, are they allowed to do that? Like you're allowed to like hug an inmate? Right. Right. And um and what I learned from this experience, because by the end of it, about halfway through all the performances, um, the host opened up the floor for some of them to come and perform. Wow. And w- the way that it was in the gymnasium is they were all sitting on their side mm-hmm. and we were sitting in like a in like a line in front of them. Right. And when 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 that person from the audience came out and decided to read their work, I got up and I went and I sat down mm. in their group. Mm. And I sat there when every for every single person, nice. you know, and if someone was like rapping or they were doing like a reggae thing and there was no beat, I did a beat on the table, you know, like old school, right. like what we were doing in school, in high school, doom, 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 doom. And, and then we had a break and, um, and I spoke to some of them. Hmm. And they were, they expressed so much gratitude 
so much gratitude and warmth. And and I said, I, under, I, I, I was upfront with them. I was like, I was freaking out coming here because I had never been in. I've been in a juvenile detention center before. That One, that was in Trinidad. Two, that was with kids. Mm-hmm. You know? But I'd never been in like an adult, yeah. grown man right, prison. Right. And I said, you know, I was really anxious about coming here. But one of the things that I realized is y'all are people. Y'all either y'all made a bad mistake or a bad mistake made you mm. and you're here. But I understand that you want to be seen. You want to be acknowledged. You want to be respected. You want to be seen as a human being and you want love, you know? And, and uh, I think that in our world today, we lack the, 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 the conscientious decision to see people. I feel like we, we, we lack um we lack that communal love mm. there's a lack of it out there um some people have it but i think more of us need it yeah you know a lot of people would rather do things alone than turn to the community around them you know uh, it's it like the whole story is wrapping up. It's what I was talking about in the beginning about asking for help, mm-hmm. asking for support. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't know how many people actually have your back until you say, yo, I need some help. 100%. 100%. And then you find that, you know what? You got a hundred people that will have your back. Right, right. So... That for me is is what I would say is my once upon a time. Once upon a time, people got your back. Ooh. And you didn't even know it. Ooh, brother. L- look, look, listen. You see, the, the marksmanship of a great storyteller, they know when to like, you know, put that put that perfect period, you know? Uh, um, yeah. No, that's amazing, man. That's beautiful. Um, b- before we wrap up, you know, the, the usual space for you to plug what you do, to plug where people to find where people can find you, where people can follow the beautiful things that you do, where people can see that uh, um, that clip for where you're speaking about being the laureate for, for the Black History Month. All the beautiful, all the beautiful things that you do, man. The space is yours. Go for it. Well, um, people can find me on my social media, my personal social media, at Mr. KD Ferguson. So Mr. is M-R-K-D Ferguson. Um, my name is Kim Dominique Ferguson, K-Y-M Dominique hyphen Ferguson. Uh, you can find me on all platforms. Right now, one of my videos has gone viral. I did a video um, of... Uh, which is a duet with some other artists. Yes, I saw that. Uh, where we're pretending to 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 be in the recording studio for for this uh, song called "Busted" by the Isley Brothers, <laughs> and we're all reacting to it. That's kind of going viral on Twitter right now. I feel like every time I come here, there's been like a bit of a viral moment uh, for me. Hey, you know what? This um, is the place to be, brother. You know, right? <laughs> Uh, so you can find me at Mr. KD Ferguson. Um, 
my my business partner and I we are working on a clothing line, uh, which is which uh, we are taking the basis of the chakras, the seven chakras, in alignment with image and words that and color that aligns with the chakras. So that that we're still working on that, but um, serious apparel. So S E R I U S apparel. Um, is the name of the company. You can follow us on Instagram. We're still building it. And um, yeah, just just at me. You can find, if you want to find the article, the little news clip that I was on, it's on my Twitter feed. I haven't figured out how to download it, it, yeah. download it yet, uh, but it's on my Twitter feed. Uh, I think it was Montreal City TV that that put it up. Uh, and I'm supposed to be on CBC somewhere, and I think I'm going to be doing more interviews, uh, hopefully before May, but hopefully in May, because I am in the May edition. I am Mr. May Good. Uh, in the uh, in the uh, Black History Month roundtable nice. Nice. Um, calendar. Nice. Um, I want to say gratitude to you, Tonki, and to you, Ian, for having me. Um, it's it's always a pleasure to chat with you guys. I drove down to Toronto and I listened to your entire podcast Man. series on the way back. That six-hour drive uh, was, it was amazing. I even listened to, I don't like listening to myself, but I even listened to our interview yeah. and I was like, oh, well, okay, okay, Mr. Ferguson. <laughs> yeah, you go, you go, you're doing the thing. Yeah, yeah, man. Believe in yourself, you know? Yeah. Believe in yourself. Well, thank yes. thank you so much. Like it's the, the support has been unconditional from you since day one. Like you you welcome yep. me in your shows many times and it's been like it's been great and it's a collaboration that I, I don't take for granted, man. I, I appreciate that collaboration and and you know, it, it's only fitting that you're the first person to come back on the podcast, right? And, and especially with Thank with you. all the great things that you have going on for you, you know, Mr. May will be will be looking will be looking for that. Like, you know, we can make a T-shirt, Mr. May. You know, that's it, <laughs> man. That's it, Mr. May. Like, yeah. you know, uh, um, but right. but all the beautiful things that you do, what you represent for the community, uh, um, we are proud of you. We love you. A lot, and, Thank and, you. and this place Thank is you. this place is the is the place for you to come and to come and shine. Uh, um, that's the purpose. That's the purpose here, and and I'm I'm glad that we had that journey with you, man. So, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for for giving us your time. Uh, um, thank you so much for your support. Thank you so much for for you know stepping in and 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 being black. That's what that's my thank you. Right. Thank you for being black, brother. Thanks a lot, man. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. All right. Thanks a lot, brother. Teach Reach Podcast. <laughs> oh. Same teach time, same reach place. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> you know, you know who's gonna send you an email. It's gonna be this brother on your on your left here, on your, on your screen, like Ian. He's gonna send you right. an email. It's gonna be like, you're gonna do that. Same thing again, right? <laughs> but yeah, man, thanks a lot for your for your for your time, man. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Teach Reach podcast. This podcast is produced by Dr. Lemstein Productions, mixing and editing by Ian Lamb. If you are enjoying this podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, or give us a review 
on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at teachreach underscore podcast. For our regular listeners, we truly appreciate your support. Thank you. You can find more information about our podcast at teachreach.podbean.com. Until next time, Kembe Lapalagi. Hang in there. Don't give up.